Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Praise the Lord. What an honor to be able to worship Jesus. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you know, today I want to talk about something that's just so near and dear to my heart. I want to talk about something I think is super important for us. You know, uh, a lot of us, we walked into this room today with a monkey on our back and we didn't even know it. And what I'm referring to is that oftentimes we don't realize that we are carrying around a spirit of condemnation. We're carrying around a voice that's constantly telling us, you need to fix your stuff before you can go to Jesus. Today I wanna talk about condemnation and as I was thinking about it, I I was reminded, um, our church used to be at at a smaller building and it was on uh, the corner of Troy and Berteau. And in that building, there was this uh, bell tower. And uh, we never used the bells, but um, there was a bell tower. And if you know anything about bell towers, they're actually known for being the home of a little creature called a bat. And one of the best kept secrets of our staff was that every once in a while, a bat would get into the building. Yeah. And don't worry for all of you that are about to run out of this place. This is a different building we're talking about right now. There are no bats in this building as far as we can tell. No, I'm just kidding. There's there's no bats, right? So we, I remember uh, being in in the building and the bats every once in a while would swoop in and it would cause mayhem during the week. They would fly sometimes through the offices. This is not, I'm not kidding. They would fly through the offices. Uh, not they, it was usually one. But they would fly around and we, everybody would be flipping out. And so we would somehow find a way to either terminate the threat <laughs> or to, you know, get the bat out of the building. And so... I I remember there was one Tuesday night specifically that was very traumatic for me because I remember sitting in the prayer meeting and there was a bat that we were 50% sure was gone. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm worshiping, and there was this, there was this, uh, there was this place where the the organ it used to have a, it had an old organ, it had old pipes, and it had this this grate where um, the pipes used to be, and so it was up like in the ceiling, like you could bear, you couldn't really access it, and we're pretty sure that we terminated the threat before it went there, but we weren't positive, and so I'll never forget because while I was in this prayer meeting, I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping like this. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, if this bat gets loose, it's gonna be chaos. It's gonna be nuts. If this bat is there, and, and for some reason, 
It, it starts flying around. Everyone's going to run out of here. There's going to be a stampede. This is going to be nuts. And I was just, I mean, I was anxious. I was like, this is about to get really ugly, you know? And, but what do you do? And so we just had to, we just had to sit there and just, just hope and pray. Really, the only thing I prayed for that night was the bat. I, I, I was just like, Lord, please don't let the bat come out. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Lord, I, I know I've asked for a lot of things. This is the only thing I need you to answer right now. And, you know, what I realized is that there's actually a passage of Scripture. Oh, careful. Don't knock it over. We'll need that. Proverbs 26, verse 2 says this. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. And what that passage is saying is that sometimes we receive an undeserved curse. And do you know what that is? Condemnation. Condemnation is an undeserved curse. It's a, it's a, it is a, a threat to us. It is something that says, I'm flying around your head. I am swooping over you. I am around you. I am circling you. But... This passage says, you know what? An undeserved curse will not land. It won't hit the ground. And the truth that I believe that we need to receive is that sometimes, some of us, we are actually in our devotional time. We're actually in Sunday service or in a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And we're trying to seek God. And the thing that we are thinking about is the bat that might be swirling around. We're thinking about that undeserved curse that won't land. We're thinking about that thing that, that we did two years ago or two days ago. And we're saying, I know that I've asked for forgiveness for this, but it's still lingering. It's still around. But today, I don't know about you, I'm ready to kill the bat. Yeah. Amen? And just in case you're wondering, I love animals and I don't intend to hurt them. It's just an illustration. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna look at this passage and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John, not the not the uh, not the gospel of John, but 1 John. These are letters from the Apostle John. <clears throat> First John chapter three, verse 18. I want to read this. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Praise the Lord. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Amen. You know, this passage is so incredibly powerful because 
When our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just ask, oh God, that you, Lord, would touch and heal us. Lord, we just, we come against all condemnation in this room, and we pray, oh God, Lord Jesus, by your blood, deliver us and set us free in the name of Jesus. We pray that there would be 100% complete deliverance, and we pray, oh God, Lord, that you, oh God, would bring a new level of peace to our relationship with you. We're asking, oh God, Lord, that every heart in this place would be set free. You said whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and we pray that over this room. We pray that over every heart here, and we ask, oh God, Lord, that you would have your way and that you would deliver us and set up in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna, I wanna explain the flow of this passage, and I, I, want, I want you to understand what the, this, this uh, scripture is saying. And in the beginning, when it says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. How many of you wanna have hearts at rest in God's presence, amen? Well, the way that we do that, this passage is saying, the, the beginning of it is basically talking about how we are able to put our hearts at rest when we see the evidence of God in our life. You see, the whole chapter of John chapter three was talking about how um, we need to love like Jesus loved. And he says, you'll know that you're saved, you'll know that you're my child when my love is flowing through you. And so, if the love of God is present in your life, then you can be confident that you have the Spirit of God inside of you. The Bible says that Jesus, that God actually is love. So if there is God's love coming out of you, then that means that God is inside of you. We learn later in this passage that he says, the two things that you need to know is, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And is the love of God flowing from your life? If those two things that you just answered yes to, then you can rest assured and you can be at peace in the presence of God. That's the first thing that it's saying. And then the second thing is it's saying, you know, sometimes we know the truth, but we don't feel the truth. You ever been there before? Sometimes you know the truth. You know, I know that I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I don't always feel like he has accepted me. I don't always feel like I have been forgiven. And that's where this beautiful truth that it says, if your hearts condemn us, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And then finally, it says, when condemnation is removed, and you have confidence in the presence of God, you're able to experience incredible fruitfulness in your life. Amen. And so today, I, I wanna dive in because today what I want us to do is I want us to trade condemnation for confidence. Yes. Today we're trading condemnation for confidence. You see, Jesus died on the cross so that you could enter into the presence of God unhindered, full access, never to be denied. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. And so it's important that when you come, you don't come with 
shy, reserved, but you come with bold confidence. That's how God wants us to come. So when I talk about condemnation, I wanna, I wanna give a definition for us to work with today. This is in context of this passage, and it says this. Condemnation is feelings of self-judgment post-salvation. Feelings of self-judgment post-salvation. And it's important that we look at this in light of what this passage is teaching because condemnation is not something that God gives. This is something that the devil uses to attack us. And sometimes even our minds have been trained to think with a lens of condemnation. So, today, I want us to understand something, and it's this. Feelings of condemnation must surrender to the verdict of heaven. Feelings of condemnation, they must submit, they must surrender themselves to what God has said from heaven. That is what matters, and that is what we must do. But before we talk about how to get rid of condemnation, I, I wanna talk quickly about the fruit of condemnation. What actually happens, because sometimes, I, I, what I've noticed is that we as believers, we can actually come to a place where we have somehow thought that condemnation is this righteous humility where we say, well, surely God would not accept such a terrible, horrible person like me. And we begin to convince ourselves that um, we're being humble when in actuality we're being condemned. And we're accepting the word of the enemy instead of boldly accepting the salvation that God gives that is so wild and so immense that it's hard for us to sink our teeth into. And so we think that we're being humble when in actuality, condemnation is from the pit of hell. It hinders us from relationship. And you see, condemnation, what it really does is it steals the fruit of salvation. Condemnation steals the fruit of salvation. You know why Jesus went to the cross and died? He went to the cross and he died so that you and I could be forgiven. He went to the cross so that you and I could live a free life. Do you know what Jesus died for? He died for our sins, past, present, and future. When Jesus went to the cross, he knew that you and I were gonna come along and mess things up. And he says, I'll cover that. I'll cover that. Take it a step further. I'll wash that. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be 100% free. Not bound by any condemnation. You see, condemnation, what condemnation does is the devil, he wants you to not experience the fruit and the blessing of salvation because he knows he can't steal salvation from you. The devil can't steal your salvation. The devil can't steal a promise that God made to you. He can't do anything with that. And so what he has to do is he has to get you to believe that the promise is not taking effect or isn't true. And so what he says is, you know, you, the, God promised you peace, but you're not experiencing peace. 
You see, condemnation steals peace. But this passage, this passage says, this is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Did you know that you're not supposed to be praying and reading your Bible with a bat flying over your head? You're supposed to be entering in, not thinking about anything else except for the love and the mercy of God, except for what God is speaking to you in that very moment. You have been given the capacity to dial in with God. You have been given the spiritual ability to be able to connect with Heavenly Father. And so condemnation tells you that that's not true. Condemnation will steal your peace. You know what else condemnation will do? It'll steal intimacy. It'll steal your ability to get close. You know, I, I was thinking, uh, so my wife and I, we've been married going on 11 years, and I remember when I first started asking her out, and um, so there's this story, I'll tell you a story, because I, so I had asked my wife out two times, and she had um, graciously denied both requests. Um, but that's okay, because I was like, you know what? Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I gotta get my stuff together because I only got one more chance. <laughs> After this, you know, my, my future is, it, is, it, is in jeopardy here. The, the, I, I, I got to win over the girl of my dreams, and so I, 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 was, I was a little bit nervous, just a little bit, and um, last service, uh, Shelly, who at the time was Shelly Torres, and she's, she's married now, but uh, her name's changed, she's on staff, we actually went to school together, and so I'll never forget, because we were coming home from a prayer meeting, Susie, Shelly, myself, and I think that there was one or two other people I don't remember who they are because I was only thinking about Susie. <laughs> and I remember I was walking them to the dorm and I had Shelly's guitar in my hand. And, you know, I had a script prepared for this moment. You know how that is. Come on, brothers. You know what I'm talking about. You prepare that script. You got that script in the back of your mind so that you could say it. And it's like, wow, that was so eloquent. And you just came off that with the top of your head. Yeah. I had that script in my mind. And so I was like, okay, so this is what I'm gonna say, this is how I'm gonna do it, all right? So I'm like, but I'm still nervous. My heart's pounding like crazy. My hands are shaking. I'm like, I'm like, you know, fumbling all over myself for all the things that I didn't prepare a script for. And I'm like just super awkward. And so we're walking to the, to the, to the elevator and I'm like, okay, this is my chance, this is my chance. And so, I, I hand the guitar to Shelly, they get on the elevator, and Shelly, after service, corrected me because she says that she remembers the story a little bit differently, which I don't believe. <laughs> she said, this part is questionable, but she said that the elevator doors were closing and I stopped the elevator doors. Now, I don't remember that part, but we'll just go with it. I stopped the elevator doors and I said, hey, Susie, can I talk to you for a second? Smooth. <laughs> and so Susie's like, sure. Walks out. And at that moment, Shelly 
burst out laughing. <laughs> I'll never forget the elevator doors closing, me looking over, Shelly laughing out loud at me as the doors are closing. I've got counseling and I was able to forgive her. But I was pretty upset at the moment. And I'm like, okay, come on. This is your last chance. Don't mess it up. Focus. Eyes on the prize here. So, so I had planned it. Now, our school, it was like, it was on LaSalle in Chicago. And so there was about a block to Chicago and about a block over and then about a, a block back. So this is a, it was a little bit of a walk. Not, not too much, but it was a little bit. And so we start walking. And I said, Susie, you know, I know that you've um, turned me down twice so far. I said, and um, I just, I just want to let you know I'm not asking to marry you. But I just want to take you to dinner. That's it. I said, if you, if you tell me no, I'll, I'll leave you alone. I'll mind my own business, and I'll take it as, you know, you don't really... You, you don't like me, and it'll never, nothing's ever going to work, but I, I'm just asking you to just give it a chance. It's just dinner. That's it. You know, I'm like lower. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're walking, and she says, okay, fine. I'm like, fine? Like, okay, like, yes? Is that a yes? Can I get, a, can I get an affirmative on this? She's like, yeah, that'll work. I said, okay, great. Now, that conversation didn't take very long. We were barely not even at the corner of this walk. I didn't plan the rest of the conversation. We still had a long walk to go all the way around the building, and so now I'm, I'm free-flowing, which is dangerous. And so she says to me, she's like, all right, so, um, you know, because I'm like, awesome, great. I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's next? <laughs> she says, so, uh, you know, when, when, when do you want to do it? I'm like, uh, Saturday. Okay, cool, Saturday, we'll go. All right, great. Uh, so where are we going? I don't know. I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> and... And the conversation my poor future wife had to endure all the way around was so awkward and I had no idea what to say because I was excited because she finally gave me a chance. But now I'm even more nervous because I'm like, man, I can't mess it up because she even said yes. And so I'm like, okay, all right. So now, so I'm trying to play it cool and I'm trying to talk to her. Anyways, you know, my wife and I, we laugh about that now. But, you know, it's funny because now that we're married, we can laugh about it because we're, we're close. I mean, she's my best friend. I know everything about her. She knows everything about me. And so it's one thing, whenever you see a new couple getting to know each other in the beginning, it's awkward. You know why? Because there's this fear that, you know what, this might not work out. This person might not like me. And in my case, I, I actually knew she didn't like me. <laughs> 
There's this fear of, of rejection, and there's this fear that this thing might not work out, and so you're at your best. You, you're putting your best foot forward. You're, you're kind of guarding all your faults, and you're, you're kind of, you know, putting uh, your, your, all of your good attributes forward and, and trying to fix all of your problems and pretend like they never existed. But when you're married, you don't need to do that. You know each other. You see, here's the thing. Condemnation gives you the fear that you're going to be rejected. And so it hinders you from being able to be intimate because, you see, some of us are in the room today, and you've been following Jesus for maybe two or three years, but you're still acting like you're on your first date. You're still acting like I have to put my best foot forward and you know what, oh man, I don't want him to know anything that's bad about me and I'm nervous because, but God says, no, I want you to come in full access. I know everything about you and I love you anyways. You don't have to be afraid of me rejecting you because I already sent my son on the cross to die so that I could accept you. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise the Lord. When you accept God's forgiveness for your life, you don't have to be nervous that you're going to be rejected. But that's what condemnation will do. It'll steal the fruit of salvation, which is intimacy. It'll steal your fruitfulness. Some of us in, in, in our lives, we're not living up to our full potential. You know why? Because we keep saying, well, you know what? I would live up to the call that God has on my life when I get all of my stuff fixed. I'll live up to the call of God in my life because I know that I've done this in the past and that's, that pretty much disqualifies me. I don't know if I could really do that because of X, Y, and Z. And we give all these reasons why the, 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 um, the bar should be lowered for us. We give all these reasons why the amazing things that God puts in our hearts and why the miracles that we've been praying for can't take place on our watch because we haven't lived out a perfect life yet. And we put all these things on our back and we say, God, this is, this is why things won't work, but that's what condemnation does. Condemnation, it lowers your expectation for the power of God flowing through your life. But we don't realize God's power wants to flow through your life, and he's not asking about yesterday. He's asking about today. Amen. So, how do we get rid of this? We don't want that. You don't want that, do you? We want intimacy. We want authority. We want confidence. So condemnation, it must be confronted. Condemnation must be confronted. If you're here today and you're living with condemnation, you need to make a resolution today that, you know what, I am not going to be okay with living in condemnation any longer. You need to make a decision that this is a battle that you are willing to fight. Because the battle of condemnation is really the battle of being able to experience the fullness of your salvation. If you don't get rid of condemnation, condemnation will dull your life and it will limit your, uh, your, the possibilities of God in you. So, condemnation must be confronted. And you know, here's the funny thing. Uh, feelings, we know oftentimes that we are, that we're, that we're saved. We know oftentimes that we, we've accepted Jesus, but we don't always feel that way. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that? 
You know, I was thinking, um, have you ever gone to buy a car or like get a new apartment or uh, you know, a new house or maybe even like a serious relationship? You know, you like, you walk into the, you walk into the car dealership and you're like, you know what, before I came in here, Honda was written in the clouds. <laughs> and you get into the car that you really want and you start test driving it and you're like, this is an ordained moment. I can feel how me and this car are connected. And you start to say, you know what, I don't know why, but I just feel like this is the right car for me. This is the one. Or you go into that house and you're just like, you know what, this is the house of my dreams. Or this is the apartment that I've been wanting. I'll be able to do all the things that I, I've been wanting to do in this apartment. And, and you get to a point until you go home and you actually crunch the numbers. And then when you go to crunch the numbers, all of a sudden, what used to be God's will is all of a sudden not God's will anymore. What you used to be positive was this was the one for you. All of a sudden, when the facts are presented, you're like, you know what? That's not the one. What'd you say the monthly payment on that was? Our feelings do that to us all the time. You know why? Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you. Now, that doesn't mean that they're bad. Feelings are good. They're good indicators. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you should base your decisions and your life on your feelings. Your feelings will be deceptive and they will mislead you on so many different accounts. And so that's why the power of this passage is that it says, when your hearts condemn you, God is greater than your hearts. God is greater than your feelings here. He is greater than your feelings. He is greater than the emotions that you experience. God will use your feelings, he will use your emotions, but sometimes our feelings and our emotions can go off track and we begin to think things and begin to say things even to ourselves that are not true, that are not a part of God's will for our life. So now, how do we, how do we kill condemnation? Well, before we get there, I wanna describe to you something that's really important. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. You see, condemnation is, if you have that slide, condemnation basically is self-judgment that causes you to walk away from God's presence. Condemnation is all about pushing you away from the presence of God. Condemnation says, how could you have done that? You knew better. And if you were really, if you really loved God, you would never have done that. Are you sure that you're safe? Are you sure that this is, the, you, you know, how, don't even try to go to a prayer meeting tomorrow. You know, you know what you did yesterday. Don't try to make up for that. Don't be a hypocrite. That's condemnation. Condemnation pushes you away from the presence of God. Condemnation says, well, you know, you at least have to, you, you can't read your Bible for another week because, because of what you did. You can't even pretend to pray to God. You gotta wait for God to calm down. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil, they say. Sometimes we feel that way, and that's condemnation, but conviction is the Holy Spirit prompting you to return to the presence of God. Look, we, get, we fall into sin. 
Sometimes we fall into sin. We go to certain places and we do certain things and, and God says, you knew that that was not the right decision and we do it anyways. But you know what? The presence of God is not about pushing you away or else he wouldn't have sent Jesus to come and to die for you. The presence of God is about bringing you in. He already showed us that he paid whatever it costs in order to get you. Why is he so easily willing to get rid of you so we think? Conviction says, come on back in. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done. My blood can cover it. Wherever you are right now, it doesn't matter how badly you've sinned. I just want you to come close. You know, sometimes people get condemned for things they didn't even do. Sometimes the devil will lie to you and he will make you feel ashamed of things that were even done to you. You know, when I was young, I was abused. And when I was abused, I'll never forget because the things that were done to me, I was thinking about, and I was like, man, this is crazy. And I was feeling guilty for things that were said to me. Things that were done against me. And I got to a certain point where I said, I was so condemned that I thought, you know what? I wanna, I, I even at a certain point wanted to end my life. Because of things, not that I did, things that were done to me. Some of you in this room, you've dealt with things and you have been, you have been hurt by people. You have been hurt by, by situations and things have been done to you and the devil is condemning you for something that you didn't even do. Be released in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When the, devil, when the devil comes and abuses you, when the devil comes and, and tries to lie to you and say, you know what, you can't. Yeah, I was just talking to someone not too long ago, and they were saying, well, you know, this person did this, and, and I, I, I did this, and, and so now I'm feeling really bad, and I'm feeling like I owe this person something. And I said, why in the world would you owe that person something you didn't do anything wrong? I said, oh, I said, yeah, you're paying penance to someone for something that they did. That's how people manipulate. And people don't even know when they're doing it. Sometimes people will manipulate you into feeling guilty for something that they did. Condemnation is a liar. Condemnation wants to push you away from the presence of God. But conviction says, no, if you've sinned, I want to wash you and I want to bring you close. And if not... I'm going to silence the accuser over your life. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. The accuser can't touch us. This is what conviction looks like. Listen to this. This is in 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, by the way, just so you have context, 1 Corinthians was a book of rebuke in a lot of ways to the church at Corinth. And so after the church in Corinth had been rebuked, 
This is 2 Corinthians. This is the second letter after the church in Corinth responded. And it says this, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. You see, when, when we feel bad for something, you know what that means? It means that we're supposed to come to God and get it right. And you know how long that takes? As long as it takes for the words to come out of your mouth. The Bible says that Jesus is as close as the what? Mention of his name. That's how close he is. The second that you say it, it's done. Hallelujah. So, let's kill condemnation. Here's how you do it. Step number one, settle your salvation. Some of you in this room, the devil is beating you up and saying, you know what, you're not saved because of X, Y, and Z, and you're not, you know, you, you wouldn't have done that. Well, let me tell you, this is what you need to do, and I want to tell you something. Just because you've sinned doesn't mean that you lost your salvation, okay? If you've done something wrong, then that means that we are soiled by the things of this world, and our sin nature needs to be put to death, and it is a process. And so what we need to do is we need to say, no, devil. I made a mistake, I sinned, I turned against God, but God paid for my sins, past, present, and? That's right. So I have no reason to not settle salvation. Listen to this first. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So what does that say? If you believe in your heart and if you profess with your mouth, then what? Come on, let's try that again. If you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth, you are settled. Sometimes you have to go to the devil and you say, no, 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 we already talked about this. Uh, this has already been settled. You see, Jesus, there's a, there's a cross that Jesus died on. And, and, and you might be trying to condemn me for something that I'm dealing with right now, but Jesus settled that about 2,000 years ago, and I already gave that to him. There's a memorial that I have created in a time and a place, and I have already made my decision. I am following him, and I'm not turning back. So don't tell me I've gone too far, and I might as well walk away. That's the devil. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away. It doesn't matter what kind of nastiness you've got yourself involved in. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. That's why we, that's why we baptize people. You know why? So that you could say, you know what? No, devil, I, I remember the day that I went under the water and I made a profession of faith. You can't take that away. The devil can't take away your baptism. The devil can't take away your salvation. Some of you, you might have grown up in church or you might not know exactly the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. So make a memorial and say, devil, we're not revisiting this any longer. We've already talked about this. In fact, you know what? Don't talk to the devil. Just move forward. Even better. Step number two, 
apply God's promise to the situation. You see, sometimes, sometimes we're not sure if it's true or not. But look at this passage, I love this. Romans 8, 1, do you know what it says? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? No condemnation. It means if you're feeling guilty about something that you already repented for, no condemnation. It means if you're looking back and you're saying, hey, there's this thing, take the word of God and say, no, the word of God, I fight with the words that are in my Bible and I say, no, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I'm in Christ Jesus, so condemnation, you don't have permission to be here. Get it out. Listen to this verse, this is the same verse in a different, this is a paraphrase of this passage. Listen to this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. People of God, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you, you take the word of God and you fight with the word of God when condemnation comes. You take the promise of God and you say, I don't care what happened, I am not giving in to condemnation because it's gonna steal the fruit. Step number three, put your feelings in check. I've talked to so many people and they say, well, you know, I know, and I've even said this, I know that it's true. I know Jesus died on the cross for me. I know I'm forgiven. I know that he says he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. I know that my relationship with God is based on his faithfulness, not my, not my uh, performance. I know all these things, but it doesn't feel like it's true. People of God, don't live based on your feelings. You see, this passage is not even giving us a description of condemnation and how to defeat it. You know what it's saying? It's saying, this is when you feel condemned. Listen to this. So powerful. It says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So when you're feeling condemned, I want you to put this passage in your heart. I want you to put it in your back pocket. And when the feeling of condemnation, when you've settled your salvation and you've, you've clung to the promises of God, even when that feeling is still there, keep moving forward. Because sometimes you have to say, feelings, get in the back seat because you're not gonna drive anymore. I'm not gonna allow you to make a decision that's gonna drive me away from the presence of God when the presence of God has been made available to me because of the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm not gonna allow my feelings to dictate my decisions. Sometimes we just have to say, feelings, get in order, get in line. Here's what happens. You know what, when we do that, what happens is oftentimes 
our feelings, they begin to follow the truth that we continually put before us. You see, if I keep telling myself and if I keep speaking the, the, the word of God over my life, at a certain point, those thoughts, those attacking thoughts, those darts that the enemy sends, they're gonna lose their power. Because if I have the helmet of salvation on, if I have the shield of faith, if I have the breastplate of righteousness covering my heart, then even if he shoots it right in my heart, I say, the righteousness of Jesus is covering my heart. You can't get in. At a certain point, my thoughts about the truth of God's word begin to dictate my feelings and my emotions and the way that I feel about a situation. But here's the thing. The way that you feel is important because oftentimes the way that we feel can determine some of our confidence. It doesn't have to, but it can. And here's the final thing about this passage. It says that confidence restores relationship. Look at this. This is incredible. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything that we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Now listen, this is what's crazy, okay? You know what? Kids, I feel like understand this the best. Sometimes, and if this has happened to you, I apologize. Sometimes I'll be at the front and I'll be talking to someone uh, after a service and and sometimes it's like a pretty heated conversation in the sense that they're like, I mean, they might be crying and they're like pouring out their heart and this is like, you know, incredibly important to them and to me. But after prayer meeting, my kids don't care. They don't care that you're crying. They see their dad. And what every time without fail. In fact, I'm always like watching out of the corner of my eye because my kids, they're getting big now and they're like trying to tackle me, I think. What happens is when, I, when prayer meeting's over, what happens is I hear, Daddy! And they are running full force and they are running to come and give me a hug. They don't care that I'm talking to someone about their marriage that's falling apart. They don't care that if I'm praying for someone, they just say, Dad, hey, how you doing? And then they look, oh, Wow, hey, so dad, well, so what's going on, you know? They don't really care because they know they're like, well, you might be talking to my dad, but that's my dad. And they know they can come to me with confidence because they say, I, well, look, this is my dad. I don't have to be worried about what I say. I don't have to be worried about how I come into his presence. You see, my dad, he didn't even pick me, but he loves me. He got me. I, I, I'm, I'm here, and I know that I'm accepted. I don't have any question in my mind if I'm accepted by him. That's how kids are. That's how God wants us to be. You see, because when we come into the presence of God, we should be willing to ask for anything. You should be so confident in the presence of God that you can ask for things that even kind of embarrass you. You should be like, well, God, I, I don't know about this. You should be able to go in and you should say, God, it would be great if you would do this for me. Because when we go into the, the presence of God with confidence, what that does, it is assures our relationship with him. And God is so honored by that. He says, I am so glad that you have freedom in my presence. Come on, will you stand with me?
Hallelujah. Today, God wants to set you free. Listen to this verse. Listen with your hearts. This is gonna be the direction that we're gonna have. Hebrews 10, 19, 22 through 23. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Do you have confidence today? If you have confidence, then here's what you need to do. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Come on, you know what, today, can I just encourage you? Enter into the presence of God with full assurance. Enter in with full assurance. Come on, give God praise. He's made a way for you to enter in with full assurance. So can we do this? Can we just reach our hands to heaven right now? Can we just say, God, I love you. Come on, can you just enter into that relationship with the Father, the relationship that he paid for with the blood of his son? Can you just enter in and say, God, I thank you and I love you and I appreciate that you have accepted me, that you've called me in. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you. Come on, enter in and enjoy the relationship. Come on, this is not a first date. Enter in and say, God, I love you. Thank you for accepting me. Come on, get rid of that bat that's flying over your head. Say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. into the ground 
Some of you in this room, you know, I just feel distinctly, we're gonna pray for one more thing, but I just feel distinctly, there are some of you in the room, and when I talked about how you feel condemned for things that were done against you, I believe that we're supposed to pray for you right now that that would be lifted off and you would never deal with that ever again. That today would be the day that that stake is driven into the ground, that you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's a conversation that is closed today. If that's you and you want us to pray for you, and you say, I've been feeling condemned over something that was done to me or something that was said to me or something that someone is trying to make me feel guilty for. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand. Lift up your hand so that we can pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if there's someone around you, just lay a hand on them. If they have their hand up, just lay a hand on them. Jesus, right now, we declare that because of the blood, oh God, the darts of the enemy cannot stick to us, oh God. We pray the breastplate of righteousness over them. We pray the helmet of salvation. We pray the shield of faith over them, oh God. We ask, oh Lord, that that sting, that that hook inside their heart, we pray, remove it in the name of Jesus. Remove it right now in the name of Jesus. We renounce condemnation in the name of Jesus. It has no authority, it has no power. We pray, be released in Jesus' name. Be released in Jesus' name. We declare it by the power of the blood of Jesus. Be released of condemnation and guilt in the name of Jesus. Whatever was done to you was a sin against you. Release them, release them. If that's the case with you, I just want you right now to just forgive that person. Just release them right now. That way it can be totally closed. Release them in Jesus' name. We forgive the perpetrators. We forgive abusers. We forgive the harsh tongue. In the name of Jesus, we release them. We no longer hold them accountable. We put it under the blood in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's done in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more thing. Now listen, if you're here and you say, you know what? I have been dealing with condemnation. There's things in my heart that I need to get out and I need to be, I, I, I don't want to deal with it. Today is the day that the stake goes in the ground. I want this conversation to end. If that's you, it doesn't matter if you did something and it doesn't matter how bad it was. It doesn't matter if it was yesterday or if it was 20 years ago. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. I want you to lift up your hand right now. We're gonna pray, hallelujah. Okay, come on, come on, lift up your hand. If you're dealing with condemnation today, don't be afraid, we're gonna pray for you. Lift up your hand, don't miss out on the prayer. If someone's got their hand up around you, I want you to lay your hand on their shoulder. Come on, do it right now. Lay your hand on their shoulder. We're gonna pray. God, release them in Jesus' name. Release them in Jesus' name. Begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray out loud for them. Come on, be a, those of you who are around them, put your hand on their shoulder. <laughs> pray for them. Say, God, release them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, you said in your word, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus.
We accept that promise over our lives. We accept the blood of Jesus in the sacrifice on Calvary for our sins. We accept all that you've done for us in God right now. We drive a stake into the ground. And Lord, we close this conversation. No longer are we gonna deal with the past because we need to look forward into your presence, oh God. Jesus, we release it in, in your name, oh God, by the authority that you gave us when you rose from the dead. We live a new life in Jesus' name. So God, we just pray for release. We pray when the devil comes and tries to accuse, you said that you silence the accuser. So God, silence the accuser right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, can we just sing together one more time? With all your hearts, make it your prayer. We love you, God. because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. We give you praise and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Listen, give each other a hug before you go. We'll see you on Tuesday.